Well, good morning to you guys. We are excited that you guys are here. This is uh, probably our most favorite uh, Sunday of the entire year. Uh, one, because we're going to talk about dating with you guys. And uh, two, because you guys get an opportunity to hear not just from me for another 40 minutes, but uh, this morning in particular, you guys get to hear from my better half this morning. So uh, we are excited to get to do and talk through dating with you guys. Why are we addressing this uh, and why are we addressing it this Sunday? Uh, as I was a single, I always had uh, uh, one particular rule. Some of you guys have heard this before, but I would never begin a new dating relationship between Thanksgiving and Valentine's, all right? Uh, and here's why. One, if you start a new relationship in early December, what kind of gift do you give to the girl at Christmas time that says, hey, I really like you, and this isn't so much that I, you may think that I love you, but it's not so little that you think I'm lame, right? Or how do you start a week or two weeks into a relationship and handle Valentine's? I always thought, how utterly awkward, right? Uh, what kind of color roses do you give to the girl that say, hey, I'm really enjoying this relationship, I really like you, but I'm not really ready for you to have my kids yet? How do you, you know, walk that out with Valentine's, right? So I always decided to steer clear of all said awkwardness and land squarely after Valentine's, which is why we're now going to talk about dating with you guys, all right? You guys are now in an open season for a new relationship, so uh, not hunting season per se, but you know, so be it, all right? Uh, so why are we talking about dating? It's always funny, every year when we talk through this, I'll get an email from somebody at some point, they'll kind of say, hey, we sold out, uh, why do we waste a Sunday talking about dating? And you know, let me kind of cut off some of those emails, whoever may send them to me this morning, and let you guys know, I think there's no probably more appropriate nor relevant topic for you guys to address here in a church setting. I know for me as a college student, uh, I, I did a lot more thinking and talking about dating than I actually did the dating itself, all right? And so I, I know a lot of you guys are either dating, trying to date, a lot of you guys are thinking about dating, talking about dating. I cannot begin to explain to you the number of hours I spilt in coffee shops and apartment rooms talking about dating or trying to date, all right? Uh, my track record, as you guys will hear here in a little while, was not exactly successful through most of college, all right? It was kind of a barren wasteland romantically as I walked through college and even high school, junior high. But it only has to work out one time, right? So here I stand as a so-called expert, all right? So, um, and on another note, you know, a lot of us struggle with dating. A lot of us have made mistakes. A lot of us have tried to figure this thing out. And so we want to give you guys, in a sense this morning, some biblical principles on dating. Uh, and as we kind of walk through that, I, I think it's also not just relevant to you guys. It's not just interesting to you guys, but I also think it is one of the most important topics we could talk about all of your career in college. This is why we make dating jokes all through every sermon every Sunday, right? Um, because for the most part, who you guys are choosing to date now is going to set you guys up as to who you're going to marry in the future. If you're dating a scumbag now, you might be marrying a scumbag later, all right? Uh, if you're dating, uh, you know, depending on who you're dating right now, it's going to largely determine the kind of person you marry. And I will tell you, there's probably, aside from trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, there's no greater, no, no more influential decision that you will make that will determine what your life will be like and who you are going to become. Because who you marry is going to determine who you become and what you begin to walk like and what you begin to think like. And so dating really is a starting point for that. And so uh, also kind of as we address it, I want you guys to know, I think there's also been at times this current of thought at times uh, in some of the books you guys may hear about, may read about, that uh, dating's bad, all right? That, uh, that dating is unspiritual, all right? I'll tell you guys, I don't think there is more of an opportunity to grow in dating than any other arena sometimes of college, all right? What the Lord can do as you walk through dating it can be incredibly transformational and life-changing. As you guys walk through dating, not knowing where it's going to lead to tomorrow, not knowing whether she may say yes today or tomorrow or next week, uh, not knowing whether this thing is going to continue or knowing what it's going to look like in a week or in a month, you guys are walking through a phase that is all about the unseen. 
Dating by its very essence is a step in a process of faith. And because of that, you guys have a great chance to trust the Lord through it and to honor him through it. So what we want to do this morning with you guys is kind of walk through and unfold a little bit of some biblical principles for how to go about this. Not necessarily how to get a date per se. I can't guarantee that. It didn't work for me in college, all right? Uh, but at least how to do this in a way uh, that honors the Lord. And so let me, let me pray for us and then we're going to kind of jump in this morning. Father God, we give you great thanks uh, that you have made us as we are. And that our value is not tied to who's with us. Our value is not tied even to our life status or our relationship status or our Facebook status. I thank you, Lord, that you have created us infinitely valuable because you are our maker. You are our creator. And that we are even valuable enough that even when we sin and fell short of your glory and were separated from you, you would send your son in the likeness of human flesh and he would die on our behalf. So as stating the, the extreme value you thought of us. And so, Father, I pray even this morning as we talk through this topic, Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to hear afresh. You give us even courage to make some changes and that you'd begin to transform our thinking and our perspective even as we approach dating, Father. We ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we start out this morning, I want to give you all a little picture about our story, our history. But before I do that, I just want to share that not every story is the most like storybook, most romantic story you've ever heard where you think the guy and the girl, they look at each other across the room, they lock eyes, they meet, and they know from that instance they're going to get married. Because you know what? That happened to a couple of my friends in college, and I thought, okay, so if you're a really strong Christian, you're going to know from the beginning God's going to give you a sign that this is who you're supposed to be with. Well, I didn't have that, but I had this wonderful best friend. In fact, Trey and I, <laughs> I don't know if they need to look. Um, Trey and I were super good friends um, all through college. In fact, he was my best guy friend. We hung out all the time. We'd go for ice cream. We'd go play tennis. And one time we took a break from playing tennis and Trey says, so do you think you could ever see this as more than us just being friends? And Marcy's response was, why don't we play some more tennis? <laughs> and it's not that I didn't like him. It's just I wasn't like 100% for sure that this is for sure who I want to be dating because attraction can grow. And you know what? Just because I was wishy-washy didn't mean I needed to be wishy-washy. And so, poor guy, I, for the next 14 months, we, um, <laughs> there might have been several different times he was very clear. I mean, he really walked it out well and was so clear with his intentions, but I was a little bit unclear. Y'all, seven rejections later, it was our yeah. senior year. Brutal. I know, and I feel terrible being up here and sharing the story. But I, the reason why I went ahead and told you is that it can end well. And I want y'all to know very clearly that Trey did not stalk. Sometimes in the past when we've shared this story, guys have gotten this impression that you can keep on asking over and over. That's stalking, gentlemen, yeah. right? Yeah, no, no, no. We don't want to encourage that. But I will say, I was unclear, which I shouldn't have been. And I thought, hey, I don't want to ruin this friendship, so I have to be 100% sure he's going to be the man I marry before we start dating. Well, I wisened up. Senior year, the Lord just kind of revealed to me and put it on my heart, and I prayed about it for a whole month because I didn't want to go back and forth and keep breaking his heart. And so I did decide this is something, someone I do want to at least give a chance and see if this could work out because I didn't know anyone that was more confident in who he was in the Lord, but yet so humble all at the same time. Great combination. So we did start dating beginning of our senior year, second semester. And the beginning was as awkward as you could possibly imagine. Yes. <laughs> you would think going from friends to dating, totally normal. You Not know what? Smooth. We've had a few bumps, and that's okay. But we did have a great dating relationship, and Trey was so good at just pursuing me in a Christ-like way. And I will say we broke up one time over spring break because I thought, oh, I want to live my life overseas, serving the Lord in East Asia, and he wants to be in America. 
what are we going to do? And you know what? The Lord totally showed me that it's more about the person than the place. And as long as you find someone that is truly following the Lord, then you can follow that person. And anyway, so I'm happy to say that we did end up getting married. And it's been nine years as of this spring. So here's Eric. Yeah. Thank you. Obviously, I, uh, I eventually won the battle. But here's a picture of us, our senior year. All right, so a couple things. One, I never realized I had curly hair until we actually started dating, and uh, she encouraged me to grow my hair out. All right, so I had the military haircut. This is also back in the day that baggy shirts were in, all right? Uh, obviously, that is, I wasn't, like, huge armed at the time, all right? Just, just clarification, all right? Um, Interesting enough, uh, obviously our story is not a, a perfect model of romance. It wasn't like the storybook story. 36 hours after this picture was taken on our spring break trip with all of our senior friends, we broke up on said trip and had another 48 hours of the most awkwardness, brutalness that you can imagine on a road trip all the way back from uh, uh, Arizona all the way back to uh, College Station. So don't break up on a trip yeah. with friends, all right? Uh, not a good idea. Here's a picture of us getting married, all right? So this was 2002. Oh, I know. I looked awesome, didn't I? All right, so, just kidding. So, uh, uh, so dating, all right? We want to kind of define some terms for us, all right? What is dating? Well, first of all, uh, if you look through your scriptures, one of the things you're going to find is that dating is not unbiblical, all right? If you look through the scriptures, you're not going to find our cultural form of dating uh, in the Bible. If you want to be uh, completely restrictive, biblically speaking, what you can do, the only really example we get of dating, so to speak, an approach to marriage is arranged marriages. So if you feel comfortable with your mom and your dad picking out your spouse, good luck being biblical, all right? Uh, for a small fee, your pastor and pastor's wife can do that for you. We can arrange marriages, all right? We don't have a good track record. We don't have a good track record, so you don't want that either, all right? Uh, but dating, I think, is not necessarily found in the scriptures, but it's not necessarily unbiblical, all right? Dating is also not something that we like to call freighting, all right? It's not friends with benefits, all right? And you've seen this, maybe some of y'all experienced it, all right? There are those people who obviously like each other. They're obviously hanging out all the time, one-on-one. But for whatever reason, everyone else knows they're dating, but they won't call it dating, right? Uh, you guys have seen those friends. It's basically quasi-dating. Or, or it's the case more generically, and this is what we see a lot of times, where a guy is really into a girl. He's, he's very interested in her. He's trying to hang out with her. He might arrange his schedule and the way he walks on campus or bump into her. Theoretically, all right? I might have theoretically done that, but it wasn't stalking, all right? Just being clear, all right? Um, you know, and so you, you bump into her, you, you arrange your life and your pattern, your coffee shop locations where you think she might be, and you get a lot of co- opportunities to have conversations. You get to know her, you keep trying to hang out with her, and then even you might even grab dinner with her, you might even pay for it, and this may go on for months. And this is what we call freighting, all right? It is friend dating. It is a guy who's interested in a girl but never actually will communicate it because he's scared about either ruining a friendship or he's scared about uh, not having the courage to step out and communicate clearly, hey, why is he hanging out with her? And then eventually he does a few months later, and she's shocked out of her wits because she thought y'all were just friends, right? That she never communicated, hey, why you were there, why you were hanging out. And so dating is not freighting, all right? Dating is not a process of pursuit without any communication of your intent that's absolutely confusing to the girl. We're going to talk a lot more about that this morning here in a minute when we kind of get into what are guy and girl roles. Another thing that dating is not, and I think a lot of people think this at times, that dating is a way to fix all of your issues. 
that if I find the right person, they're going to cover over all my insecurities. If I find the right person, they're going to fix all my, my wounds and all my scars and the things that I went through uh, in my family. That if I find the right person, they're going to help, help me grow and, and fix all the things that are broken in me. And I think a lot of us pursue a, a person with that mindset that, hey, if I can just start dating someone, if I could be in a relationship, then everything in my life will be okay and everything will be healed and everything will be whole. And as we walk through dating, as we can begin to talk about it, I want to kind of set things straight and say that's not what dating is. That's not the purpose of dating. In fact, uh, for those of us that have those kinds of things going on in our life, that when we get into a dating relationship, they're not fixed. If anything, they're brought to the surface and they're made all the harder because in a relationship, those things really bubble to the surface. And so it's not a place to fix all your junk. Uh, Sometimes that has to be done outside of a relationship. And so dating also is not your life. Some of you guys might have gone out on Monday night, Valentine's. Some of you all might not have. Either way, whether you're in a relationship or you're not in a relationship, dating is not your life. If you're engaged, dating is not your life. Engagement is not your life. Uh, Even when you get to be married, I can guarantee you that as we walk through different life stages from single to dating to dating to engaged, engaged to married, married now with kids, that at each of those stage changes, there's always a battle of discontentment. There's always this desire that, hey, if I could reach the next stage, then my life will be fuller, my life will be more abundant. And the reality is that's just a lie. Life is not found in the stage that you're in or the stage that you're pursuing. But what is dating then? If dating's not all those things, then how would you define dating? The way that we're going to define it is dating is the healthy interaction of two whole people, a guy and a girl who are pursuing each other to see what God might have for them in the future. And therefore, it's a process that's uncertain, and it's a process that ought to be characterized, therefore, by faith and by holiness. So dating is the healthy interaction of a whole guy and a whole girl exploring the possibilities of what God may have for them in the future. And it's a relationship and a process that's characterized by faith and by holiness. In fact, you've heard it said that marriage is not for your happiness, it's for your holiness. Okay, so if we know that about marriage, well then, dating should also be to glorify the Lord and should be to push each other towards Christ and make each other more holy. And you know what? Dating is fun and you will have fun, but you know what? That's not going to be what completes you, kind of as Trey was saying, because your ultimate goal is to glorify the Lord. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so if we think about that, okay, well, what's the implication? It's going to impact who we choose to date. In fact, we need to have our standards a lot higher because we want someone that's going to push us towards the throne of Christ. Now, no one's going to be perfect, and of course, it's always a spiritual journey together, but we want to have someone that we can run together with. In fact, so many girls, they think, I'm strong, I can do it, I can change this guy. In fact, I can change the way he dresses, I can change the way he does his hair, I can change that he pursues Christ, that he would want to come to small group, that he'd even want to watch Glee with me. You know what? Not going to happen. Guys can change. Of course we can all change, but we shouldn't ever go into a relationship thinking that we can change someone. Because I have seen girls do it. I have seen girls marry someone thinking, okay, there's the attraction there, I can change you know, the spiritual part about him. Well, you know what? You can't. And sure enough, that part usually um, ends up being a nagging area that then turns the guy off. And so you just really want to be careful when you enter a relationship that you choose someone that's pursuing the Lord because you want to be able to glorify the Lord together through your relationship. And so I just really want to encourage y'all to trust the Lord, even if it's a a little time of singleness, it's okay because we don't want to think that we have to take things in our own hands and settle in order to have a relationship because that means our view of God is small. We want to have God-sized vision. We want to believe God and have faith that he will provide. 
And since dating is not all about us, I think a lot of the roles with which guys and girls have in dating also are, are oriented in such a way that reveals that it's not about us. In particular, it's kind of look through dating, we look, even look through the scriptures, we often find that God portrays himself in masculine terms, all right? In particular, like example of Revelation chapter 19, writes, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. In Revelations and throughout the scriptures, God portrays himself as the groom and humanity is the bride. Why does God do that? Why does God portray himself in masculine terms? It's really interesting. A book a while back called The Shack, uh, it was really fascinating. It was a really moving book, but in it, it really tinkered with the image of God. Could God be an angry, mad black woman, all right? And the question is, can he? He, there again, even the pronoun is, is challenging, right? And I think even as we look at the image of God, even the way that God portrays himself in the scriptures, there's something really fundamental by the fact that he puts himself in masculine terms. And I think ultimately what he's doing is what he's showing us is that as man, as the pursuer of humanity, there's an aspect in which men are to model that in dating and therefore in marriage. Particularly for us guys, what we see is that God himself, Christ himself, laid down his life according to Ephesians 5 for the church. Romans 5 will say that Christ, even while we are yet sinners, died on our behalf. And so the role of of men, the identity of masculinity is that you and I as men are initiators, all right? It is our job, our role to be initiators in the context of dating and even later on in the context of marriage. And I think we do that in particular in two different kinds of ways, all right? One is that you and I as guys are called to initiate the action. We take the first step. We make the first call. We're the ones at times that put our head out there and take the risk on ourselves. And so guys, as you guys pursue a girl in dating, it is your job to make the first call. It is your job to take the first step. It is your job to use it, uh, figure it, to pull the trigger, so to speak. You, at times, as you pull the trigger, you may find you may blow your foot off, all right? Uh, you may put your head out, and you know what? She may chop it clean off, all right? Uh, I had that happen a few times, and I can guarantee you the head grows back. Your psyche is still whole, all right? It's okay, okay? Uh, but for us guys, it is our job to not just initiate the action, but in doing that, we're the ones who take the risk on ourselves. We're the ones who step out sacrificially, just as God did for his bride humanity. And it's not just that we take the action, but we're also the ones who take or become the communicators, all right? I think for a lot of us guys, uh, we're pretty good at action. We like to do stuff. And yet for us, we're not often the best with our words, all right? And the problem is in the context of dating, that if you step out and you have action, but you don't parallel it or put it alongside of, of communication of intent, the girl can be really, really darnly confused as to what you're doing and why you're doing it, all right? And so it's our job not just to be the ones that take a step out and initiate the action, take this first step, but we're also the ones that are called, in a sense, I think, to step out and communicate what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I thought for you guys, it might be helpful from a girl's perspective to hear as to, in particular, hey, how should I ask out a girl? Because girls do want guys to be forward. We can't read your minds. We want y'all to initiate. And I will tell you, girls appreciate it being either on the phone or in person. Don't do the whole text me or Facebook. Really, be a man about it. Initiate. Communicate in person or on the phone. And then secondly, make it clear if it's a date or not. I cannot tell you how many times I would like go out with other guys, not Trey, because Trey was good at being clear. But I didn't know. Is this a date or is it not? It's coffee, but there was no like clear communication. Should I pay? Should I not? Maybe I'll pretend like I'm willing to pay and then see if he's going to offer, and then I'll know if it's a date or not. You know what? Don't do that. Don't make the girl do the wallet test to see if it's a date or not. Be clear. Be a man about it. And ask him out on a date. Be, you know, there's just something wonderful about the guy initiating. 
Here's the other thing, guys. Uh, it's not just your job to communicate from the beginning, but it's also your job to communicate as this relationship goes. I think a lot of you guys may have gathered this by now, but the moment you drop that girl back off at her place, something's about to happen, all right? The high council is about to convene, we can call it, all right? All uh, the roommates. The roommates gather around. House, all the girls. They put her in the middle. I used to drop Marcy off at the Chi Omega sorority house, and so it wasn't just four roommates, it was 100, all right? Which is all the more intimidating, all right? Uh, but you know, when that girl goes home, she's going to sit down, and her roommate are going to be going to ask her, hey, what did he wear? What did he say? What did he do? What did y'all do? How do you feel? What do you think he felt? And if you've not communicated, I can guarantee you what that high council is about to do is start putting words in your mouth, all right? <laughs> They're going to start to conclude exactly what you felt and what you thought. And if you did not communicate it, they will communicate it to her for you. And you may not like what they conclude, all right? So, <laughs> gentlemen, your job is to disarm the high council, right? Okay. <laughs> It is your job to fill in all the gaps so that they have absolutely nothing to talk about, all right? <laughs> Boring high council meetings are what you want. Uh, you don't want to leave any gaps. You don't want to leave any uncertainty. You want to be clear and direct as to what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you feel about her. Now, that doesn't even mean that you need to be freakish, all right? And so after every date, you kind of sit her back down, state of the union, hey, here's where we are. Yeah, Here's, where we're, here's where we're going, all right? You don't need to do that every date, all right? But at some level, as things go, as things grow, you need to continue to affirm how you feel about her and where you think this thing is going and what it is, all right? Exactly. And just like we want them to be clear, as girls, we want to say yes. Now, of course, you want to have those high standards and you want to make sure that they're godly and there's no big red flags. But if there's not and you just don't know them well enough, well, you know what? It, sometimes it takes getting to know someone before you can make a good decision on if this is someone you would like to date. And so I just want to encourage y'all to, one, wait for them to initiate and then also respond and at least go on a first date with them and see um, where it could go. And then also you really want to know that... Um, Part of that for us is we want, we want you guys to hear a dinner is not marriage, all right? Oh. A, a dinner is not, hey, I think God has told me this is where we're going. Just taking and going out to dinner is just getting to know someone, and that's the purpose of dating. It's not, let's not trump this thing up and, and build it up so much so that it, it's a huge level of commitment just to go out for dinner. Exactly. And I want you girls to know that y'all are worth being initiated. You're worth guys really running after. In fact, it's sometimes... It's tempting to just make it a little bit easier for the guy and flirting or posting things on his basic wall or or just getting the word out that you might be interested. But you know what? There's something significant about who makes that first phone call. So make him be the man of character that initiates. And then secondly, you know, I know that sometimes you'll have date parties or whatever, and so it's okay to ask a guy out. But then you don't want to think, ask him out to all four date parties for the whole semester. You know, like just know that if you really do like him, you may want to wait and make him initiate. And why do I say this? Like, why is it um, important for girls to be initiated? It's because the Lord wired us that way, and he wants us to, to know that we're worth it. Girls, you are a treasure, and you're someone that, that is truly um, worth it because you have Christ-like identity. So what do we need to do as girls? Well, we need to spend more time beautifying the inside than the outside. I love the First Peter 3, 3-4, that your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing of gold jewelry, you know, the fine clothes, but instead it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, for that is of great worth in God's sight. Did y'all hear that? Great worth. Like, really, know that you're worthy and you're a treasure. Why is that? Well, your God is the King of Kings. He made you his daughter. That means that you're a princess. You're someone worth 
pursuing. And so I want y'all to know that your worth is found not in what you look like, not in what size your jeans are, not in if you had a guy that had, you know, brought you flowers last week for Valentine's. Your worth is who you are in Christ. And I feel like the more we're set in that, we're going to be secure in who we are. And I will guarantee you, guys want girls that are secure in who they are, not struggling with insecurities and Really, knowing who we are is also going to help us to not settle for guys that we shouldn't. You know, remember hearing all those fairy tales of the guy riding up in the horse and, you know, pursuing the girl? I think so many times, so many times girls think, okay, well, that's not going to happen for me. I should just settle for the guy cleaning up the manure in the stall or something. You know, like, not that that's a bad occupation, but just saying that you really want to make sure that you're not settling for a guy that's trapped in sin or for a guy that's not where you want to be spiritually. Know that you're worth it. Like, you are the prize. And then also, you want to know that God will provide and that someday someone will pay the price for you. So know that you're precious in the sight of God. Know that that's where your security is. And so in turn, you should also be spending more time in the morning beautifying the inside, spending time with the Lord, than being so concerned with what you look like. Because we got to keep the most important things the most important. So women respond, men initiate, men are the pursuers, and they're not just the pursuers. I think they're also those who are called primarily to be the protectors. Mm -hmm. Uh, That idea of the knight riding in is not just that he's pursuing a girl, but he's also in charge to protect her. And so one of the things I want to do as we kind of begin to kind of close out a little bit with you guys this morning is kind of shift, and particularly and talk about some ways that we protect one another in the context of dating. Uh, Simply put, as we kind of uh, transition a little bit, uh, I think there's an area that that often is what we talk about and often what we ask each other about, and that's the physical realm. Uh, When Marcy was dating and her sister was dating, her aunt would often call after dates with a question. The question was, did you give out any sugar? All right. Did you go, any sugars? No. Any sugars? Now, sugar and candy, as delicious as it may be, there's obviously uh, an element of the physical that is that is uh, that is natural that is that is healthy that is all right but obviously to an extent into a place and where it can lead it can get us into a lot of trouble i think dating is a place that which we can really grow which we can really walk with the lord dating and walking with god isn't a mutually exclusive proposition all right i think you can grow as you date and yet i think sometimes the physical realm is really what gets a lot of us in trouble what causes a lot of us to miss what the lord has and to miss what the lord is trying to do even in dating and I think the reason why is obviously a lot of us know as we look through the scriptures that uh, the black line is sexual intercourse, all right? You heard it here, all right? Sexual <laughs> intercourse. Here we are. Um, we said it in church, all right? And all you guys are laughing, okay? And so you know that, at least according to the scriptures, that sex is reserved for marriage, all right? Hebrews will talk about keeping the marriage bed undefiled. And so the question is, in the context of dating, what's appropriate in the physical realm? Obviously, we know sex is not, and so the question is, how far can we go? How far should we get up to the edge? What ought we to do? And so what I want to do is give you guys a bit of a principle, and then I'm going to give you guys a boundary. And the principle is this, that as you guys walk through dating, there ought to be an experience of frustration with the physical realm. As you guys walk through dating, there ought to be an experience of frustration and discontentment with the physical realm. If you're not frustrated and you're not discontent, you're going to about to be in a lot of trouble, all right? God has wired you and I, physically speaking, so that as things start to occur, as we start to experience certain things physically, the entire system, the entire motor is revving up. I'm using guy analogies. That's all I can think of, right? Uh, and it's starting to go down the road, and it's going to go, and it wants to be built, and it's moving towards sex, all right? Everything in the physical realm is meant and designed to begin to build momentum and begin to build and roll down that road. And so the question is, if you're allowing what feels natural 
if you're allowing yourself to go on the basis of what seems appropriate, then at times I will guarantee you, you're about to find yourselves in trouble because that train is picking up speed and picking up momentum. And if you're not practicing restraint, if you're not learning to be uh, holding it back and experiencing some level of discontentment, you're going to find yourselves in trouble. Let me give you guys another analogy uh, that's a little bit more in the edible arena. Uh, some of you guys may have noticed, or I, I've not yet talked about this, but I've uh, last month kind of landed on a new obsession. All right. Yeah. Julio's chips and salsa, all right? I don't know if any of you guys have had those uh, at H-E-B. Yeah, I think some of y'all have, all right? So uh, when I first landed on them, it was at Christmas time. Then we went on a trip, came back. I got my own bag of, of these amazing chips, all right? And I consumed the first bag, and I guarantee you, no exaggeration, in two days, all right? Uh, my second bag, I held myself a little bit longer for a week, all right? My third bag took about three weeks, but only because I was in Spain for 10 days, all right? So, uh, and what I would have then later on realized is I was just obsessed with these chips and their salsa, which together just is amazing, all right? Not a product plug, but it is. Sorry. Okay. I'm getting hungry. All right. So, um, is that these chips are laced with MSG, all right? I didn't realize it until a friend uh, responded to my Facebook status deal and said, hey, I don't even know this, but these things are laced with MSG. That's why they're so freaking addictive, all right? That's why you just think about wanting to eat more and more. And when you're not eating them, you want to eat them. And when you're eating them, you want to keep eating more, all right? Because no one in the right mind would eat just one chip, right? The same thing is true of the physical realm, all right? No one in their right mind, no one in the way that they've been wired wants to just experience one thing and then they're fine with it. The entirety of the physical realm is built and, and wired in you so, so much so that you begin to want to experience more and more and more. And if there's not a level of discontentment, then you're going to find yourselves in a lot of trouble. So I want to challenge you guys in particular. It is your job not just to pursue the girls, but to protect them and particularly to protect their physical purity. All right. This may be a kind of world shattering, but I'll guarantee you got to you guys you can express far more value to the women that you're pursuing, to the girl that you're pursuing, not the women, all right? To the girl that you're pursuing, all right? Uh, by physical restraint than you can by physical expression. That as you protect her, as you look out for her value and her purity and her identity, that as you actually restrain what's going on, you're going to express actually more value to her than if you express yourself and allow this thing to go beyond what you guys feel is appropriate. And so it's really wise to build and to lay out some boundaries. If you're in a dating relationship and you've never talked about the boundaries physically with which you're going to date, obviously we all know sex is not appropriate, but what are some boundaries that you're going to put in place that are going to be protected? If you've never had that conversation, you need to. One of the boundary markers that we often lay out, that's kind of cliche, but I think it's actually pretty helpful, is uh, the three nothings, all right? Uh, that is, you guys walk out the physical realm, nothing ever needs to come off, all right? If an article of the clothings are coming off, you're about to be in a lot of trouble, all right? Uh, also, not just uh, nothing comes off, but nothing below the neck. The moment hands start going somewhere below the neck, look out, all right? Uh, third thing, nothing lying down, all right? Something about lying down horizontal just gets you in all kinds of trouble, so sit upright, all right? Uh, three nothings, all right? Not to be legalistic, but I think they're really wise markers that are meant to be protective. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal for a lot of us. A, a lot of us, whether currently in the present or in the past, a lot of us have made mistakes in this realm. This is the most troubling, this is the hardest often spot of dating. And so if we've gone too far, if, if we've made some mistakes in this realm, what do we do? The first thing I'd love to encourage you guys is just the realization that it's going to be a lot of hard work to begin to move the train backwards, right? If you've gone to a certain place, it is hard work to go backwards, but you can do it, and the Lord can enable that and to work hard at that. But also just a reminder that, again, Christ has forgiven us. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've experienced and what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. The Christ is always there with open arms to reconcile and to forgive. And it's one of the things I love about the Gospels. There's no one that, that he turns away. 
whether it's little children, whether it's, it's, it's magnificent, glorious sinners, it doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter who we've been with. It doesn't matter what our past has been like. Christ is there and he's always laid himself available and he died on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to suffer the penalty of our sins. He is our savior. He's our restorer. And he doesn't just forgive us of our debt, but he also enables us to find freedom as we move forward. So maybe you've made some mistakes in your past. The reality is Christ has cleansed those if you've trusted in him for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. And not only has he forgiven those and forgotten those, but he's called you and invited you to press forward with new purity and a new opportunity. I completely agree. In fact, girls, we also have a responsibility to help the guy in that area. And also, just like we want to protect each other from the physical realm, we also want to protect each other from the thoughts. Like our thoughts not getting too far out ahead. You know, Trey talked about the high council of girls earlier. We want to make sure that we're not overanalyzing and that we're not letting our thoughts just go crazy. And also I want to encourage y'all too, if you're single, to be content with that and to know that that's a great season to glorify the Lord and to invest in friendships and to know that we can't just keep obsessing over having a relationship. But all that to say, you know, we want to make sure that we're not turning a crush into an obsession and checking his Facebook all the time or making sure that um, we're talking about it with girls all the time because truly preoccupation can short-circuit that challenge to be faithful and to trust the Lord because we want to seek the Lord first and foremost beyond a relationship or anything like that. Um, Matthew six thirty three, it talks about seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I love the whole Proverbs 4 of above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And we have to guard our heart because we don't want to just let it go way down the road and not be able to have control over the thoughts that we have. As Trey even opened up and talked about, dating is a great chance to trust the Lord. I want to encourage all Hebrews 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have to have faith that God can do great, great things, and he will provide that perfect person. We've gotten to do this talk every few years, and this is one, honestly one of our favorite Sundays. And often what we've realized is we give a lot of principles out, but we've not really had a chance to kind of hit some specific situations. And so some of you guys gave us some questions. We're not going to get to cover all of them. Hopefully some of them we addressed as we kind of walked through. But we wanted to hit a few kind of scenarios and specific yeah. questions that you guys brought up and, and see what we can do with them. Okay, this first one I liked. It said, how can, a, how can I, as an engaged girl, encourage and maintain friendships with my single friends who seem to be embittered in discussions about my relationship and pull away from my friendship? I don't want to lose friends because of a relationship God has called me into. I thought that was good on two behalfs. One, as the girl that's engaged or in the serious relationship, you don't want to always just be talking about your relationship, that you're not investing in those friendships. Be a well-rounded person. And then the second thing is, for those that are single, that are pulling away from people in a relationship, make sure that there's not jealousy there or a comparison, because you know that comparison is the stealer of all joy. And so you want to make sure that you're not... Kind of like I was saying earlier, being so obsessed with having a relationship that you're not happy for those that are in one. And so I just think both sides just need to really trust the Lord and make sure that they're investing in friendships because you have to have good community. You don't want to just be around your, you know, the guy you're dating all the time, that you're not in true good community and good friendships. Awesome. Another question we got was uh, a guy asked, I'm interested in a girl who is pursuing God and has a beautiful heart but I do not know if God is leading me to pursue her or if we just have one mate out there. You know, I, I think uh, to, uh, 
said individual, if you're in here, which you are because you wrote the question. So um, <laughs> I'm bright. I graduated college. So uh, here's my answer to you. If, if there's a, gu- a girl out there that you're interested in and, you, and the character qualities that you see in her match the kind of person you'd love to date and to marry, and, and a girl that loves the Lord and then is moving in the right direction, uh, then I'd say, hey, pull the trigger. Uh, don't wait around. Don't uh, do more reconnaissance work, all right? Uh, you got enough to know who she is, and so ask her out. And, and I think a large part of that is just real, the reality that, hey, I think dating is part of the God-given process for you to figure out what he might have in terms of marriage. And in fact, as you guys date, you may be dating someone now or you may be dating someone tomorrow that is not who you're going to marry. And, and, and yet what God does, I think, often in those dating relationships, even, especially if you pursue them with purity, uh, and even though things may not work out, is that God is reshaping, he's, he's transforming you, and, he, and he's building for you a, a better sense of exactly who it is that you are going to be put into marriage with. And so I think dating relationships, even if it's not who you end up marrying, can be really fruitful. Is there more than one mate out there? I always kind of think that's an interesting question and that I think it's one of those questions that the question is from what angle? And moving forward, I, I don't know how you answer that, right? But looking backwards, that the moment I stand on the altar and I say to a girl, I do, that I will marry you and that I want to marry you, and God seals that in front of family and friends at a wedding ceremony, then I think there's only one person out there. But moving forward, I don't know how to answer that question. And so I think uh, moving forward is part of why you date. It's part of why you see what God is going to do. And I think in dating, I got to see a, a God answers so many prayer requests. I got to see him answer so many things that were giving me a growing confidence that in particular, Marcy was who I was going to marry, that Marcy was who he had in store for me. So that's a great question. This is a good one too. It says, what do you do if the guy never states his intentions? So you know, Trey was talking about freighting earlier and the whole guy is just hanging out with you, but you don't know where it is. You're spending a lot of time one-on-one. One, if it hasn't happened a lot, you know, just be patient and see what happens. But let's say this goes on for a long time, and it really, he's just not being a man about it. And you really kind of need to know, because you kind of need to work on guarding your heart if this isn't going to go somewhere. And so I think it's fair, and tell me what you think, but I think it's fair for the girl to even tell the guy, you know, thank you so much for us spending this time together, but... At this point, because this has gone on for so long, I just kind of need to know where your intentions are. Not that I'm assuming anything, but I need just need to know. Do you think that's good? I think it's fair. Okay. It's, it's one of those just awkward things is like even bringing it up, like are you, are you assuming that he likes you? And then if he doesn't, then it's just right. weird. And, and so I, I think it is fair that at some point just to say, hey, kind of what, what's the intention here? I'm assuming we're just friends. Um, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, you that's know? even better. So, Last question that we got uh, that we're going to talk through with the time we have this morning. Someone asked, how do you let go of your partner's past mistakes? I think it's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, even the phrase there, to let go, is, is actually uh, how we translate uh, the Greek word for which we often talk about forgive. To forgive means literally to let go. So when God forgives us of our past, he, he lets go of it. He doesn't hold it over us anymore. And yet, I think as we walk through dating relationships, ultimately, someone's past mistakes are their past. You're not marrying them or necessarily even dating them based on who they were, but who they are and, and where they're moving in the future and whether they're walking with the Lord. And so I'd say a couple of things. One is, it is your job to let go. It is your job not to hold it over them and to condemn them with judgment, right? Uh, you, you, you entered into this after that ever happened, and you've entered into this based on who you see her to be now or him to be now. And so it is your job also, if God has forgiven them, then it is also your obligation to forgive as well. Now, let me, let me kind of buttress that with, 
But the reality is you don't let go of it to an extent that you don't realize that there's going to be some baggage, there's going to be some conversations, and there's some hurt that's going to be experienced. Uh, you know, if, I, if, if you enter into a dating relationship with someone who's some, made some, some big mistakes in the past, while those aren't your mistakes, those mistakes are going to have consequences in your life. Yeah. And so you let go of them and that you don't condemn, but you also realize uh, you don't let go of it so much that you look past it, but you realize, hey, you, you, may, you may grieve those mistakes. <laughs> I, I remember when I was single, I was praying for my future spouse. I was praying for their purity because I realized the decisions they made were going to have an impact on me, an impact on my marriage, mm-hmm. and an impact on, on what, frankly, sex was going to be like in marriage. And so for those that have made some mistakes, again, God and I think your, your, your mate, your partner ought to forgive you for those things. But you, you also need to have eyes open to realize, hey, there's going to be some consequences there's going to be some grieving that's going to occur. There's going to be some guilt that's going to be experienced in that realm of dating, even, in, even once you get into marriage, in that realm of marriage. And so you don't let go of it without realizing there's going to have to be some discussions. <laughs> there's going to have to be some, some hearts that are grieved, and yet you have to eventually find and move to a place where, where again, you realize, hey, you're pursuing them not on the basis of who they were, but on the basis of who they are and what God is now doing in their life and where God is now calling them and their response to God in their life as they walk now. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's a great question. I think it's a really hard <clears throat> question. It's a hard issue uh, to hit and to wrestle with and, and, and to grieve and yet also then to, to show again what love is, is is not keeping a record of wrongs. What love is is enduring and being patient and being selfless and again pursuing marriage, again not for your own personal happiness but ultimately for your holiness, allowing that relationship and sometimes even the experiences that you're gonna, you would not have chosen but you're going to experience to be that kind of thing that can purify and transform you. It's a great question. Um, I'm going to pray to finish up before I do. Marcy had one quick announcement for you guys about something that's going on. Okay. Well, March 4th and 5th is going to be the wonderful Masterpiece Conference. I know that Titus had touched on it, but I kind of wanted to give you all a fuller picture of what it's about. The whole theme this year is Isaiah 61, Becoming Oaks of Righteousness. And the whole weekend is chock full of incredible teachers of God's Word. And it also is full of being able to experience God in all different areas. It's going to have all these different breakout sessions that would be really, really helpful to go to. I'm in charge of this missions part called Part of the Solution, and it helps girls be able to see what God is doing all around the world, whether it's helping free people from sex trafficking or helping um, rescue orphans in Ethiopia or helping provide clean water. Living water is going to be there. I mean, we're going to have six different missions agencies And it's really going to be a fabulous time to be able to just experience God move. And so it's going to be March 4th and 5th at Central Baptist in their big old gym. And Christy Knuckles is going to do the concert on Saturday night, which will be really neat. So a concert's included, um, lunch is included, um, all the breakout sessions are included. It's $50, and it really is going to be an investment worth doing. It's kind of like passion, but on a just for girls. So if you're 17 to 25, which all of y'all are, please come, bring friends. All you have to do is sign up online, masterpiececonference.com, and we would love to have you guys come out. Thanks. Let me pray for us. Father God, we give you great thanks that you, uh, from eternity past, that you were our creator, uh, that even at Golgotha, that you were our savior, um, that you were our pursuer, even when we were hostile to you. 
even when we had nothing to offer to you. Father, I pray that in the midst of that, even as we walk through dating, even as we walk through challenges to it, Lord, I pray that you would remind us afresh of just where our value is, and that our value is found in you, that our security is found in you, mm. and that you've created us, that you've redeemed us, and that you are restoring us now. And Father, I pray that even as we walk through dating, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't put an emphasis, that we wouldn't put a requirement upon it of what it'll do in our life, apart from what you can do and what you are doing already. Father, I pray that you would allow us to enter into dating with the right perspective, um, that we would enter into it not to receive but to, uh, to bless, um, that we would be the kind of people that would push one another on to worship you and to know you more. Father, I pray that we could date in a way that would honor you, Lord. And Father, I pray for those of us who are in relationships now or who have made mistakes in the past, Lord, I pray that you would call us afresh, and that you redeem us afresh, that you would restore to us a sense of the purity that you've already established, Lord. And Father, we ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here this morning, and we'll see you guys next week.